So anyway, this is the last part of the message of Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, what Christians do, part three, right? So it's not very clever, but um, we saw witnesses. We were to be witnesses, number one. We are to be neighbors, number two. And number three, we are to be worshipers, worshipers. It's all about the posture of praise. That's what we're going to look at today. Because that's the thing, like, worship is not just, you know, singing to music and praising before the message, right? Worship is a way of life. Worship is a way of life. And worship isn't just a once-in-a-while action, right? It's a, again, it's a daily posture of the heart. Uh, I love what A.W. Tozer said. He brilliantly said, I, I can safely say, and this is very convicting, I'm just, just a warning, uh, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. See, praising God is a privilege, and it's a blessing, yeah, to sing to Him, right? But also to live for Him in humble submission. Like, worshiping God means looking to Him in awe and admiration, recognizing His splendor and His majesty. I love what G.K. Chesterton said about this. He said, we are perishing for lack of wonder, not for lack of wonders. Right? See, it's not about seeing the miracles God has done and, and is doing and being in awe temporarily like many in the crowd who were following Jesus. They were in awe temporarily just because of the miracles and stuff he was doing. But it's about looking to Jesus in complete awe and wonder because of who he is and responding to him in worship. And so we're to be witnesses, neighbors, and worshipers. You know, a roommate and a friend uh, I had back in Southern California named Dennis, when I was a new believer, we were roommates, and the posture of his heart was always bent towards worship. He served in the children's ministry, he played worship for the kids with the guitar, he went on a three missions trips with me uh, to Peru, and he was my roommate for a couple years. And just out of the blue, I would just hear him singing in my apartment, I'm like, what's that noise? Kind of like startled, you know? And he's like, oh, he's just like singing like, you know, hymns out loud, a cappella. He loved hymns. And uh, he was quick to worship, and he had a heart that seemed always in tune with Jesus. Also, please pray for him, because we just found out he's, he's uh, incubated. He had, he had pancreatitis. He got an infection. Now he's not doing well at all, and uh, he's probably going to go, honestly, be with the Lord soon. And so, um, and which he's pain-free. He'll be completely with Jesus. He loved him so much. He was such a good witness on this earth. Um, but he had a posture of worship, meaning he had a life that was and is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Not just when he sang, but the way he lived, the things he said. Again, worship is not just the music before the sermon. Worship is a way of life, everyday life, as we stand in awe and wonder at our Creator. And so let's pray, and then we'll look at verses 38 to 42 this morning. Again, well, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We just thank you for this time to gather together, Lord, in your name, to be built up, and so we can go out, Lord, and make an impact for eternity. Lord, we're not living for ourselves, Lord. We're living for you, God. We're living for others. God, and continue to refine us in that, strengthen us in that, give us wisdom and discernment in that, Lord, as we as we get built up, not just for ourselves, we don't want to be fat and happy sheep, Lord. We want to get filled up and, be, and receive so we can go out and give. Show us what that looks like every day, Lord. Help us to not miss those opportunities, God, that you have for us, awaiting right outside of those doors. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 38 to 42, it says, now it happened as they, uh, as they went that he... Uh, 
entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and sat at Jesus' uh, welcome into the house. Sorry, verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me out. <laughs> tell her to help me. And Jesus answered, and he said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. So we know from the other gospel that, gospels that this is Mary and Martha from Bethany who lived with their brother Lazarus. And what's interesting is that Mary of Bethany, it's, she's actually seen a few times in the scripture. And every time we see her, she's in the posture of praise, meaning she is at the feet of Jesus. Here in Luke 10, 39, she sat at Jesus' feet, heard his word. John eleven thirty two, she sat at, the, at his feet and shared her grieving heart. That's John eleven thirty two, 32. And John 12, 3, she came to his feet and poured out her costly oil in worship. So Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Martha, it says, was distracted with much serving. Now, here's where the interpretation goes wrong sometimes. Like, usually Mary and Martha are contrasted, like, to demonstrate that, that we must make a choice to either serve God or, or, or sit at his feet. You know, serve Jesus or just worship him. Now, Biblically, the Lord wants us to worship like Mary, but also to serve the Lord with our whole heart like Martha. Like, I, I don't think it's an either-or type of situation, situation, but here's where Martha went wrong in this particular setting, because it was all about the setting here. Like, she had Jesus as a guest, and she was distracted from the person of Jesus because she was hustling to get everything ready, and she was working rather than worshiping. Sometimes hustling and trying to do it all quickly can distract us from who we're doing it for. Like we forget about the person who we're doing it for, or we just think about the work itself. Now, distraction comes in many forms, as you guys know, but it's a matter of what we're being consumed with. Like if you consume with tasks, you may not make it a priority to make moments and just spend time with Jesus. You know, it's, it's been said that if the enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. The enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you and get you off course and lure you away. And it's like when the enemy sends distractions, they don't look like distractions until they're finished distracting you. And you go, what just happened? I'm way off base here. If the enemy can get our eyes off of Jesus, he can lure us away from a heart and posture of praise. So, so remember, Jesus was traveling light, material-wise, right? Like, but he was traveling heavy, Human-wise. In other words, what I mean is that there were at least 70 disciples that were just with him, this whole crowd. So here comes a crowd into the home. Most think they all came into the home to eat lunch. I, I mean, I mean it's to sort of relate to Martha, think about how overwhelming that would actually be. I mean, we had 15 guys at the men's, you know, men's breakfast yesterday, and that was a lot, you know? <laughs> like, hope we have enough food. But you guys, you guys always cook enough food. So, um, but... So they were all coming in, and Martha's seeing this big crowd. She's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, one being the savior of the world. Like, if that's not a lot of pressure, I don't know what is. Like, think about the weight of that. Like, like, what would you get ready if Jesus were to come in as a guest in your home? Pop-tarts? 
I, I learned that if you put butter on the bottom of pop tarts at the men's thing this, yesterday morning, it makes it a, it's a whole new level. It's a, like a pastry. It goes from cardboard to, and with, like I think the four of us converted yesterday morning. So, uh, but anyway, well, you wouldn't make so Jesus coming. They're not gonna make pop tarts. Pretty sure your home would be spotless. You would have a five course meal, and you'd be on your best and godliest behavior, right? If Jesus was your guest, so. I think we can understand where her overwhelmed, overwhelmed heart was. Like Sometimes in life, maybe a lot of time, situations or people can overwhelm us. And so what do we do? Well, Martha, she, she actually welcomed them in, which was both, it was customary, it was hospitable. Martha didn't turn these guys away like the disciples did with the, cra- with the crowd who wanted food from them. Send them into the next towns to get something to eat themselves. No, she actually welcomed them in. That's a good thing. Yes, we should welcome people in, and we're not the ones to vet those who we accept and those who we reject to come to fellowship. We are, though, to be a light in fellowship and and love them with the love of Jesus. So type A Mary, welcome them in, and then uh, Martha, I'm sorry, type A Martha, welcome them in, and immediately was caught up in the chaos of getting it all ready, getting, getting everything in order. Martha was more concerned with the setting up than she was with her Savior, she was more concerned with setting up than her Savior. I'll never forget the years of setup we had at our last church in Southern California. Before we acquired our own building, we set up in a school, in a gymnasium, and a bunch of classrooms for the kids' rooms. And it was a lot of work. We got there really early. And, and by the time church started, we were all nasty. We were sweaty. We were like, usually we brought a change of clothes to like change into after we did all, it, all of it. But it was for the Lord, you know? And so it was worth it. And sometimes we would realize we'd have the wrong hearts because maybe we didn't get enough sleep. Or maybe the people, the, the school, the kids would, like, left a huge mess that we had to clean up before we set up. And, and we would have the wrong hearts sometimes. So we'd have to fight against the wrong attitudes and pray for one another. But what we realized every week was that, hey, this is all for the Lord. We're doing this all. Every drop of sweat is for the Lord. This was a privilege. And even when setting up, I found that to be one of the best times to seek the Lord for me personally, to seek the Lord and pray as I was doing that. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to sweep and clean up and whatever. Like, I I didn't want to be so service-focused that I neglected hearing the Lord speak and watching Him work. And so Martha responded with with busyness. Mary responded with worship. How we respond to Christ is more important uh, than what we do for Christ. At this point, Martha was essentially trying to serve two masters, and Jesus became secondary. This is often how, how it is in life, isn't it? Like we serve the Lord, we work, take care of our family, so many things. Yes, we're all busy, and then we neglect Jesus because of busyness, right? Make sure Jesus isn't secondary in your life. Make sure Jesus is your life. He's not just, it's not just something we do, like people, oh, you have to talk about anything else? No, because my whole life is wrapped up in spiritual things. That's like my life. I can't, it's, I don't separate it. That's my, that is real life. Make sure he's the first priority on your list every day, all day, all the time. If we don't sit at the Lord's feet consistently, then we'll end up like Martha, who instead of worshiping, she was working, neglecting Jesus. Now, there's a time and a place for worship. There's a time and a place for working for the Lord. Like, I don't think Martha should have not welcomed in Jesus, you know, and, and his disciples, nor do I believe she should have left out kindness and hospitality. Yet, the time here should have been dedicated to just worship, adoration, and sitting at the master's feet. That is what Mary got right. 
She was on point and humbly giving adoration to Jesus. You and I have time to spend with Jesus every day. We have time. It's a matter of carving out that time and making him a priority. It's a non-negotiable. You know, people say, well, I don't have time to read the word or pray throughout the day. I just don't have time. Be careful if you say that because, because I might ask you for your phone to check your screen time. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you, if you look at your screen time every day at the end of the day, at night, be like, two hours on social media, who was using my phone? Oh, that was me. You know, so we have time, right? It, it's not that we don't have time. It's that we don't make time for the Lord. Now, now that I'm, now what am I about to say? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to brag because I'm just trying to be, in, I'm not trying to be in competition with, I'm running my own race, doing my own thing, right? For the Lord, right? We're not in competition with one another. Where are you at? Where are you at? What do you know the Bible? What do you know, right? That's, that's ridiculous. But over the years, we had children. I have adopted this routine on a regular basis because it's the only time I can have to where I like seek the Lord, which is complete quiet, right? Those of you with kids know that sometimes it's hard to have just complete silence just to focus, right? And so I started, and I have to, this is what I have, I feel like I have to do, get, I have to get up at 4 to 4.30 every day so I can pray and read. I just have to. Like, I do. I don't think about it. I just get up and I just do it, right? And, and um, I have this little routine. And so I can't tell you how many people have called me crazy for doing this, but, but that's fine because I know I need that time with the Lord no matter what. I don't care if I get two hours less sleep. It's more important than sleep for me. I desperately need to start my day with Jesus, and this is why I can carve out, this is how I can carve out that time, just doing it. It sets the tone for my heart, even before I go out into the world to do all his call, God has called me to do. You know, if I just wake up that early and just start doing work and chores and right away get on my phone and get busy and doing different things or whatever, I'd just be stressed out and distracted. I'd be quick to frustration. I'd be straight up miserable. I, I know that I need that time at the feet of Jesus every day. I need it. <laughs> and so we all do because it helps the core uh, uh, of who we are to prepare for the chaos out there in the world, for the busyness, for the craziness. Living in this fallen world can create major frustration and turmoil, stress and anxiety. And this is why we must seek the Lord daily to ground us and establish our feet upon the rock. I would not have anyone, you know, I would not have anyone on this stage or serving in ministry who didn't have a one-on-one relationship with the Lord on a regular basis because you would have nothing to give. You can only give what you have received. If I receive no word of God, and if I didn't seek the Lord in prayer, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give you guys. Like, Sorry, let's just talk about something else other than God's word. It's not about us, right? It's about him. It's about his truth. You have nothing to give if you receive nothing from the Lord. So Martha, she was distracted with much serving. In other words, it, it wasn't pleasing Jesus that Martha was being a busybody and doing a bunch of things. The, the only thing she should have been doing at that moment is sitting at the feet of Jesus beside her sister Mary. Christians should make time to worship and spend time in adoration towards the Almighty God. And I'm not saying this because I want to rail against anyone or against you guys or make you feel guilty for not being consistent with the things of Christ. I'm saying this because this is what God's Word says, and this is what we're living for. There, there are too many distractions. <laughs> you know, there are too many distractions to name in a day. There's so many distractions. We, may, we are, we're a merit-based society, but the Christian life is not merit-based, it's grace-based. 
What I mean by that is we sit at the feet of Jesus because we realize by, by grace we've been saved through faith. It's not even the faith from us. It's faith that God has given us, that measure of faith. And so what can we give to the Lord that he desperately needs? What can we give? Nothing. We can't give anything. But what we can do is sit at his feet and hear his word. Listen to Jesus undistracted. Worship him as king. Hear his word to your life. Mary was just humbly at Jesus' feet hearing what he said, enamored with her Savior. Like, am I? Are you? When I read this, it really convicts me because I can study for 30 hours every week for Wednesday night and Sunday morning and yet miss the whole devotion time personally with the Lord, and my spiritual life becomes stale and bland in an instant. Studying truth is not the same as sitting at the feet of Jesus. There are, two, there are two sides of the same coin. Like we need balance in everything as we seek to study and dig into his word and sit at his feet in adoration as well. Like you can study all day long and get that truth in your brain, man, but, but have you spent time with Jesus, just the two of you? Just the two of us. Isn't that a song, just the two of us? Is that a song? Okay. Uh, but yeah, just, just the two, just... Me and him, you know, I can know a lot about God, but do I know God? I can know a lot of facts about Jesus, but do I know Jesus personally? Or do I just know about him? Is he a historical figure, or is he my savior that I spend time with? It depends. Am I, am I spending time with him in prayer, in his word, and serving him or not? Like, again, you can know all there is about the Bible and church history and theology and yet neglect your relationship with the Lord, and the result is distance from Jesus. And we know biblically that's bad. Remember what, what following Jesus um, from afar did for Peter? Listen to Matthew 26, 58. It says, But Peter, following him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in with the servants to see the end. So soon after, it states that Peter followed Jesus from a distance. What happened? Peter denied Jesus three times, but it started with following him at a distance. This impersonalness. Is that a word? I don't know. Okay. Theology will give you knowledge, right? But it's not the same as seeking the Lord in prayer. So Martha was welcoming to this huge group of Jesus and his crew, and Mary was at the feet of Jesus hearing his word. Martha was grumbling about her sister. You know, I'm sure we've never grumbled about family, right? We love all the time, love all the time. No, but she was grumbling, like, look at Lord. Like, do you not even care? My sister has, she's left me to serve alone. Like, tell her to help me. Do you see this? Of course Jesus sees what's going on. She's at his feet. But Martha is busy, so she's not blessed. Martha is busy, and so she's bitter. When we get in our own little world of busyness, it's a danger to start looking at others and seeing what they're not doing. Like when we compare what we're doing with what others are doing, that can lead to an us versus them dichotomy and a bad and a bitter attitude. 2 Corinthians 10.12, Paul writes, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. See, the Apostle Paul's critics thought highly of themselves. And Paul's like, I will not compare myself with these people. They were into self-exaltation. This means that we should not make ourselves the measure of maturity for others. You are not the measure of maturity for other Christians. Well, I'm here and everyone's down there. 
No. That's the worst thing. This, this isn't, that isn't wise. It's not of God. So, so Martha was complaining about Mary to Jesus, and, and, and Mary was at Jesus' feet. And this is wild, because Martha's pretty straightforward here in telling Jesus to have her sister help her. <clears throat> Make her help me. I'm busy here. I can't do all this myself. She's like sitting on the ground at your feet. I'm, I'm slaving away over here. But here's the thing to catch. Like, Mary was not idle. She was not idle. Mary was doing something. Mary may have been at Jesus' feet, but that's an action that she took. It's a posture of our heart that was really seen and reflected in the action that she, that she took. And according to Jesus, it was the right action. Look at verse 41 and 42. This was the right action. Jesus responded to Martha's bitter statement. Right? She, he responded to her. He said, Martha, Martha. You're worried, you're troubled about so many, th- right, many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. So we see Martha was troubled. Martha was troubled because her eyes weren't on Jesus. If you're troubled, it may be because your eyes are not on Jesus. If I'm troubled, it may be because I'm so focused on the world around me, I'm not even thinking of the Lord. Instead, her her eyes were on the tasks at hand. Martha was doing the work. Mary was at Jesus' feet, yet Mary was not troubled. You notice? Mary wasn't troubled. She was all good at the feet of Jesus. Instead, she was elated, I believe humbled, for she was at the feet of Jesus. Jesus doesn't compliment Martha for her hard work. Rather, Jesus commends Mary for the posture of her heart. He doesn't compliment. He said, Martha, good job, man. You're working hard. You're doing so much for the Lord. Keep going. Keep going. You know, he doesn't. But he does commend Mary. This is Martha. This is, what, this is what you should be doing, basically. And notice, Jesus sees Mary's heart and emphatically says, Martha, Martha, you worried and troubled about many things, right? Or Jesus sees uh, Mary, or Martha's heart. Martha's heart. You're troubled. He says, You're troubled. Jesus says her name twice, which emphasizing the importance of what he was about to say. Martha was in a hurry trying to do it all, and she was worried. She was troubled. Worried means to be anxious and troubled with cares. Troubled means disturbed and troubled in mind, disquieted. So this wasn't a casual thing that Martha had in her heart. She was a mess, and, and Jesus brought it up. Why? To condemn her? No. Jesus made it clear that there's only one thing needed, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. Now, Jesus isn't saying there's a bad part, serving Jesus, and there's a good part, sitting at his feet. Jesus is saying to Martha, there's a good part, serving him, but right now, the better part is sitting at his feet in adoration. And I love what Jesus says at the end here, not taken away. In other words, Martha's service would die with her, but Mary's would live on because her actions were spiritual and eternal. See, both Mary and Martha loved and followed Jesus, but one was focusing on a lower way, which was, serving, uh, which was serving, and one was focusing on a higher way, which was honoring Jesus. You know, one pastor said this, I love it. He said, a church full of Marys would perhaps be as great an evil as a church full of Marthas. Both are needed, each to be the complement of the other. 
They're both important, but there's a time and a place. There is a time to serve. There's a time to get out there in the community. There's a time also to sit at the feet of Jesus and pray and seek him and be built up and learn from him and grow from him and continue to, to feed our faith, right? There's a time for both. So it's like, what, is it, what, time, what, is, what, what time is it like now to do? What should I do now, Lord? And I think discernment as we seek the Lord, he will let us know. If we're serving so much and pretty soon he's like, okay, you need to sit at my feet. You've just been going and going and going. Are you going to ever slow down? You're going to get exhausted. You're going to get tired. You're going to just... And so the Lord will direct us in those things. Like we know. We're not, we're not, you know we know when it's time to serve the Lord and that's when it's time to sit at his feet. It, and, and it's always a balance. We have to do both. Both are important. Both are needed. Each to be complement of the other. So just a few takeaways, guys. Make time to worship your king. Don't, don't, there's no, no good excuses to not. There isn't. They all fall to the ground, right? Don't put it off. Start now. Be consistent in it. Be like the Samaritan who saw a need and he gave his time and resources to help. Be like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. And so in chapter 10, we saw three things, right? Christians are to do. Be witnesses, love your neighbor, and be a worshiper. May we live those things out on a daily basis, spend time with the Lord, get built up, and then go out and make an impact for eternal things, because that's really all that matters. 